Greetings, we meet again. I hope everybody's staying safe out there. I know it's, uh, it's tempting to drop, drop our guards, but we all wanna see family and friends and get together and eat and socialize and fellowship, but it's a dangerous time right now. There's over a million cases in California. So we gotta remember to uh, stay diligent the governor is, is tightening up the standards in California because a few counties have gone back to red. And even he was caught about 10 days ago. He went to a party in Napa where there were more than three families and he violated his own protocol. It was a wedding party and he, he ate or, or birthday party. And he said later, yeah, I shouldn't have went. So it's tempting, even he is having a hard time following. But let's stay safe. And let's just open in a word of prayer, Lord. We thank you now for this technology that we can fellowship and share your word, even though it's at, uh, with the social distancing, we still can uh, all get together on the, on the TV and the devices. And I just pray that you would bless this word tonight. I lift up a special prayer for the Ackle family tonight in, in this very tough time. Pray that you would just comfort them. And I ask this in your name, amen. <clears throat> You know, Taylor just sang, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And another psalm says, With you at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Both of those verses stress staying close to the Lord. And it blends perfectly with my theme tonight, which is hold fast to the Lord. These are very tumultuous times we live in. As, as everybody knows, the world is in a, a stormy situation. We just had a brutal election that's not completely finalized yet. We're in the post period with lawsuits, recounts, investigations, and a Senate runoff that will go on for months. The good news, Pfizer announced this week that uh, their vaccine trials were very successful. We pray that continues, and we need to pray um, for an effective vaccine that can treat all ages, and hopefully it will come out soon. Our country's future is up in the air. The potential new regime <clears throat> wants to enact a lot of new policies as soon as possible, but the President Trump is challenging everything, which is his right. It's very stormy. Many have mask and pan pandemic fatigue. And President-elect Biden, he wants to enact uh, legislation that requires a nationwide mask policy. People don't even wear it now. I don't know how well that one's going to go over. So the storms are going to continue. But no matter what we're going through, Proverbs 10.25 says, when the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. So we're the righteous, and that's our, that's our goal, to stand firm forever. We need to do that now more than ever. Hold fast to him, his principles, and his ways. Things are getting more evil out there, pushing the Lord out of everything in our country. They're going against God's ways 
every turn. The word says we should be immovable. So how do we do that? By holding on to our anchor for our soul, Jesus Christ. He's like an anchor in the sea, a buoy that is anchored, something that we could find safe haven to. A buoy is visible to all, as is Christ. And we need to hold on so we don't get tossed about in the sea going to and fro. He's a certainty in a world of uncertainty. A refuge and a very present help in times of trouble. And these are certainly times of trouble. Hebrews 10.23 says it perfectly. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. No matter who won this election or what party controls the White House, the House of Representatives, or the Senate, God is in control and he will always be in control. He can bend the leaders to accomplish his will any way he wants. Daniel 2.21 says, He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. That verse, to me, it kind of reminds me of something. Some of you might have seen the remake of Jumaji. We saw the, the family edited version. I'm sure a lot of you young people have seen it. It's about four young people, average young people, who activate this game, a role-play game, and they are transported in their own bodies to a, a mountainous island. And they must complete several really difficult tasks to get back home. They're in their own bodies, but when they're on the island, they become, they take the attributes of another person. And one of the, one of the guys, he's a very funny guy in the movie, he becomes a zoologist. And there, there's a scene and they're out in the jungle. And he starts this rant, a long detailed rant about animals and nature and it went on and on, and suddenly he hears himself talking, and he says, how do I know that? When he's in his normal home, he doesn't know anything about that stuff. But for the movie and the game, he was transformed, and he uses the knowledge and attributes to complete an important purpose later in the game. <clears throat> the Lord can and does transform people to advance his plan. And we know every time someone is saved, he transforms us into a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. You didn't vote for Joe Biden? No worries, he can transfer Joe Biden to accomplish anything that he wants. I was thinking, uh, the Lord, he carried Israel's army many times when they were outnumbered as long as Israel prayed before their, their battle. When they went their own way and made their own decisions, they didn't fare so well. <clears throat> In 1 Samuel 14, King Saul's army was surrounded by the Philistines on both sides, and they were completely outnumbered. The Lord worked a miracle and disoriented the Philistines' army so much 
they panicked and began to fight each other, and they destroyed each other. They were routed and they fled. The word says, and on that day, the Lord saved Israel. I was thinking about that, and I wonder if, if, if how these guys were fleeing, they looked at each other and said, why did we do that? Why? Because the Lord was controlling them. He transformed that army so his will would be done. If it's the Lord's will to win a battle, the enemy has no chance, regardless of their size or strength. <clears throat> Look how he used King Cyrus. In Ezra, the first chapter, in the first two verses, it says, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. It said, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord. The Lord is doing again. Why? To fulfill the Lord's word, his plan, and his prophecies. His will is being done again. He molded King Cyrus like clay and raised him up to accomplish his will, fulfill the prophecy which was to bring the captives home and rebuild the temple. And that gives us so much encouragement to see that he is in control and he gives us that hope. So we have to hold fast and be unwavering. Okay, tool time again. This is a hold fast. It's been around for hundreds of years. And the way it works, workbenches have a series of three quarter inch holes you drop this in one of the holes and put your workpiece under this. It slides down and you hit it hard with a mallet. Just whack on it. This is spring steel. It opens up slightly and it holds that workpiece down so tight it's completely immovable. What do we need to do that for? Because it's hard to work on a loose piece. It's wandering. It's dangerous. You could be running a router on it and the router will kick back with a spinning bit and injure you. The piece can shift. The piece, is, if it shifts and you're working on it, it's gonna be damaged or ruined. It's gonna be a setback, it's gonna be costly you have to start over with a new product and you've lost all that time to get to the point where you were. At the very least, working on an unsecured piece will produce subpar results. That loose workpiece can wander and that's like us. We have a tendency to wander. We sing it. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, oh, take and seal it with thy spirit from above. Rescued thus from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood, 
May I walk on earth a stranger as a son and heir of God. Wandering is nothing new, and it's no good. Robert Robinson wrote, Come Thou Fount, over 200 years ago. He was 22, and that's a prime age for wandering, as we all know. And he wandered. So many young people are leaving the church today. They're wandering away. And I like his word, his choice. He says, prone, perfect word. I looked it up. Prone, it says, likely or liable to suffer from, do or experience something, typically something regrettable or unwelcome. We never say somebody is prone to do something really good. It's always something bad. If we're prone to a bad habit, we're prone to that. So the prone was a perfect word, and it's so true in the spiritual sense. So if we, we're wandering, we're not hold, holding fast to the Lord. And that's time we're in real danger. Isaiah 53 says, Each of us, like sheep, has gone astray. Each has gone his own way. So it's a universal danger. It's not just for a few people. We all have a chance to wander. No good. Just a few days ago, a pastor from a New York megachurch, well-known pastor, he was fired after he got discovered, and they always get discovered when they do this. He confessed that he had wandered away from his marriage vows and he was not loyal to his wife. Very sad. Here he's preaching to people and then he acts like that. It's very sad. It does damage to the church. In Numbers 32, the Lord says, if you sin against the Lord, you can be sure that your sins will find you out. It does so much damage to wander. That's why the word says so much about it. And I'm just going to go over a couple uh, passages about wandering. In Jeremiah 15, 19, it says, Therefore, this is what the Lord says to Jeremiah here. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. So the key to that is the people had turned. So he says, those people should turn back to you, to the Lord, and not you don't turn to them. We're to separate from them, not join them. They're supposed to join us. Believers must never adopt non-believers' values. The, the non-believers must adopt Christ's value. So if you're wondering, it's time for a little R&R. And that is not rest and relaxation. It's repent and return. In Psalm 119, David, no stranger to wandering, he had the wandering eye himself, and that had horrible consequences that resulted from his sin. He pleaded to the Lord in Psalm 119, Do not let me wander from your commandments. Caught wanderers always pay a steep price and they usually take other people down with them. Like famous wanderers in the Bible, Jonah, 
the prodigal son, the Israelites, all wasted time. Another one, Satan actually said to the Lord as he wanders about the earth and walks around on it, he's looking for wandering, weak prey to attack. Not once in the Bible does it treat a wanderer in a positive light. The Apostle Paul talks about many who wander in 2 Timothy 4, 3 and 4. It says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss when the time will come. I think the time has come because we see that in churches everywhere, in colleges everywhere. Um, the time has come. People don't want to hear the gospel. Every theory and belief and religion practically are now acceptable, except the gospel, because it convicts. People flock to these mega churches where their ears are tickled and they won't be convicted. You won't hear about sin, the cross, salvation, and the blood. It's not preached there. They preach feel-good topics like success and building wealth and being happy. Well, we know happy is not mentioned once in Scripture, I believe. So it's a warning to us to listen to what we hear and what we read and put it to the test of Scripture. In Hebrews 2.1, it's a short verse. Now think about this verse. He could have said, now just pay attention. But he says, we must pay care, the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So he emphasizes it. We must and be careful to what we hear so that we not drift away. He's talking about wanderers again. He really stressed that point. Solomon, very wise man, as we know, in Proverbs 17, 24, he says, A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. There we go again with those eyes. David had wandering eyes, and he warns us not to let our eyes wander, to stay focused on the Lord. It can get us in a lot of trouble, that wandering eyes. But if we see wanderers, there's a verse in James that tells us we can actually help wandering people. In James 5.19, it says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and will cover over a multitude of sins. So we can help wanderers turn back to the Lord and save them because it says that if we turn a sinner from their wandering ways, it saves them, saves them from death and cover a multitude of sins. So we have to be uh, on the lookout for that, for, for other people we, uh, we fellowship with. Maybe somebody has 
having a hard time and has it gone astray. So that's something we, we need to be aware of. As we hold fast to him, I was thinking about that buoy you see. It's a light in the water. It'll, it'll denote either a shallow area or a safe place for a boat to go in for, say, a harbor or a bay. And we want to just latch onto that thing. The Lord is like a buoy in the water. And the, that buoy does not move. We took a nice vacation uh, when we actually could fly somewhere a few months ago. And we went to Hawaii, beautiful beach, beautiful warm water. And we were all out in the water, about maybe 50 yards, very shallow sand, very, about 50 yards away from the beach. And when you could see all of our stuff there. And we were just treading water, enjoying the little, little waves. And before you know it, if you don't do anything, you don't see your stuff anymore. That current will just carry you and carry you, and you could be 100 yards away before you know it. And that's how it is when we wander. Sometimes we don't know exactly how far away we've wandered for the Lord, and we have to get back. But if we keep, kept our eye on the stuff on the beach, you'd make an adjustment to stay there. So that's what we have to do when we're wandering, is, is make an a, adjustment. Here's some scripture that tells us exactly how to hold fast to the Lord. Joshua has a five-step program. In Joshua 22.5, it says, be very careful to keep the commandment and the law of Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave to you. Love the Lord your God, walk in obedience to him, keep his commands, hold fast to him, and serve him with all your heart and your soul. It's pretty clear. Five, five commands there. And I'm going to be showing my age here, which is a problem. It's getting older all the time, but... And this is for my grandkids, if they're watching Sydney, Colin, and Ethan, because once in a while they accuse me of having fake news. But this is not fake news. I remember this. I remember when I was a kid, I would go to, with my dad, we'd take the car to a service station, Chevron station, he worked for Chevron, and we would fill up the car. And it was totally different in those days. My dad would remain in the car. Somebody would come out. You would tell him how much fuel you want. The attendant would fill up the vehicle. He would wash the windshield and your side mirrors. He would pop the hood, check the oil. I remember that with the dipstick. And then they had a rag and they would take the radiator cap off to see if the radiator needed any water. That was called full service. And that's what the Lord demands is full service. Nowadays, it's called self-serve. You have to do everything for yourself, which is basically no service. The Lord doesn't want any self-serving Christians. The Lord wants only those doing full service for him. And Paul continues in 2 Thessalonians 2.15 more specific things. Short verses, but very specific because he knew it was such a danger. He just didn't have a 
by the way, be careful, is very specific because he knows who has wandered away at the time. He says, so then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold fast to the teachings we passed on you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. And now he throws in, in addition to what Joshua said, he says, hold fast to the teachings and listen and hear and apply the word, whether you heard it or read it. So that's like five things he says to do. Sometimes we can sit out there in these, these seats and our mind is just in a whole nother situation. But he says, concentrate, listen, not just listen, but hear and apply it and remember it and use it and not just in one ear and out the other. Speaking of the way the Lord talks to us, in 1 Kings 19, the Lord is speaking to Elijah, and it said he spoke in a still, small voice. Some translations call it a whisper. And we hear that whisper sometimes when we read the, the word. We get convicted, and it goes to our heart. That would be that still, small whisper. It nudges us, which is good. But he doesn't always speak to us in a whisper. If I have that woods under here, if I give this just a, a lightweight tap and it wanders away, I have to lift this, reposition it, and give it a, a sturdy blow to make it secure. Christ does that at times to us when we wander and get off track. He gives us that, that mallet blow to get us on track, which is what we need sometimes. Taylor today didn't sing, Thy still small voice comforts me. She sang, Thy rod and staff comfort me. That rod can hurt. And that staff, as you know, has a hook on it. And the shepherd would hook that sheep that's went astray and yank it back. So those are two implements that could be painful and jarring. But David says they comfort me. And it's comforting that the Lord will take measures to draw us back to him and keep us near him and not just let us wander away. Remember that one sheep that was lost out of the hundred he wanted that one sheep to come back. And when we finish working on all these things that we're holding fast, you're going to end up with something that can be useful, a cabinet or a door or whatever, whatever you're making. Just as he is not finished working on us yet, we are his workmanship and he's going to keep working on us. There is no finished product. He's going to keep working on us till the very end the rapture, so we can continue to serve his greater purpose, not ours. And sticking to the tool concept, sometimes I have to use two of those things to hold that workpiece down or else it would, one, one corner will be loose. So you use two and hold it down, allows you to continue working. It's like us. We're a small body of believers in the family of God working on a mission and a ministry 
And if one of us, if we have everybody holding fast and doing it, great. But if somebody doesn't do their ministry or their mission, it's going to get weak. We're going to have a problem. And then somebody else has to do two or somebody else has to be uh, assigned that ministry. And we can't get so thin that one person has to do, it won't be efficient if one person has to do everything. So we all want to pitch in and hold fast to the Lord. And saving this, this piece for last. When I put that work piece down, I put this piece on top of it. And then the hold fast attaches to this. And then you hit it with the mallet. And the mallet depresses this, scars it, damages it. And every time you have to move it, you go through the same process. So it's getting more and more abused as you go through the day working on this. And this thing gives itself completely up. It's called a sacrificial workpiece, and you have to get another one because this one will break and wear out. It gives us its all. Where, do, where have you heard that before? And Jesus Christ, he was marred by the crown of thorns, the whips, the nails, the blows, and the spear. He was wounded, bruised, and disfigured on our behalf on the cross. But he held fast to his mission and he held fast to the Father. He was sacrificed for us. He took the blows. He gave it his all for us. Jesus gave it all, all to him I owe. So let's hold fast to the Lord and just end in, in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for your word that we could dig into and get some, just some nuggets on how we could best hold fast to you because you are the buoy in our storm, Lord. I pray now for our country as so many are ill with the virus. We pray for the vaccine development. Uh, we pray for a calm settlement of all these lawsuits that we could have a new president at the proper time and we know that you will use him to complete your will, Lord. And we thank you this week. We got some rain, and that was a blessing, Lord. We need that. It's a parched land. And we just pray uh, for everyone, the family of God, all of our relatives too, and we, we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.